You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on September 15th, 2019, a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once again, to all of our preschool families, we're so glad that you're here today. But I also want to thank you for entrusting us with your children this year and for giving us the opportunity to pour into their lives. Um, And for me in particular, to be able to teach them about Jesus. We have this wonderful chapel time together every Wednesday. uh, And I love it when we get to gather together right over there and we sing songs together and we learn Bible stories together and we have a wonderful time. Um, I want to say a a word about the song that we sang this morning, Jesus Loves Me. Uh, It was written in the late 1800s and it's it's probably one of the most familiar Christian songs uh, that anybody knows. Um, It's one that, that many of us learn when we're little children. And this is a song that is the first song I teach preschool children every single year. And I think they even learn it in their classroom before I teach it to them. Um, But there's a reason for that. It's the song that we end our preschool uh, chapel session with every single Wednesday. We sing it over and over and over again, and the kids love it. And the reason we do it that way is because if there's only one thing that the kids walk away from preschool this year knowing, and especially preschool chapel, I want them to know that Jesus loves them. I want that to be something that sticks in their heads forever so that wherever they go and whatever they do, they know that Jesus is with them and that Jesus loves them. And so I want to talk just a little bit about this song today because I think there's a lot that all of us can learn from it too. The first verse, of course, begins, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the Bible is an interesting book because it's actually lots of books together. It's a compilation of things that have been written over thousands of years. And when we think about the Bible, we can think of all kinds of things that are in the Bible. Some people think of the Bible as a book of rules. Some people think of the Bible as a book of hero stories about heroes from the faith. Some people think about the Bible as a book that has lots of poetry in it. And it does have all of those things. But above all, even though it's made up of so many different books, the Bible is one big story about God's love for all of humanity. Starting with 
God creating everything in the very beginning, moving right through the brokenness of, uh, of sin and things that are not right in this world, and then going all the way to the end when Jesus comes back and makes everything right because he loves us so much. The Bible has all of that in it. It's a big sweeping story that goes across thousands of years. And the Bible tells us about how God loves us. In 1962, there was a, a man named Karl Barth, and he was one of the most prominent theologians of the 20th century. He had been studying for years. He had written countless books. He had taught in many different seminaries. And in 1962, towards the end of his career, someone asked him if he could just briefly summarize uh, what all the millions of words that he had published, uh, what was the, the main theme in all of them. And do you know what he responded? He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This prominent theologian, this most important theologian of the 20th century, that was what he summarized as the most important thing that he knew from all of these years of study. It's really that simple. There's more we can dig into. There's more that can be more complicated. But at its heart, the Bible is about Jesus' love for us. So what does the Bible have to say to us about God's love for us today from these passages that we read this morning? Well, first of all, in the gospel passage that we read from the Gospel of Luke, we hear two short stories that Jesus told uh, to answer some people who were asking him questions. Now, these people uh, who were asking him questions were a group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were known for being rule keepers. They were really concerned about the rules that were in the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with the rules in the Bible. They're actually really good rules in the Bible. But they were so concerned with following the rules that they actually made extra rules to kind of make a fence around the rules just to make sure that they were keeping the rules as best as they possibly could. And so when Jesus came, Jesus as a, a rabbi and a teacher, he was teaching people and he was hanging out with the wrong sort of people, the people that the Pharisees didn't approve of. He was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors were people who collected taxes on behalf of the Roman government. And so people, even though they were Jewish, they were generally considered to be enemies because of the, they were colluding with the Roman government. And the sinners were people doing all the stuff that they knew they weren't supposed to do from the rules that were in the Bible. And the Pharisees didn't have time for any of them. And they didn't understand why Jesus was hanging out with these tax collectors and Pharisees, the wrong sort of people. And Jesus answered them by telling these two short stories. And both of them, if you listen closely, are really the same story in just two different contexts with the names and faces changed to protect the innocent. So in the first one, we see a shepherd. And the shepherd has 99 sheep, 100 sheep actually, but one of his sheep gets lost. And what the shepherd does is he leaves 99 sheep out in the field by themselves and he goes and finds the one lost sheep and then he brings it home. And then in the second story, we see something similar, except it's a woman now. And the woman has 10 precious coins. And she loses one of them. And so she tears up her house. She lights lamps. She sweeps the floors. She rips off the sheets. She looks everywhere for this coin until she finds it. And then she finally finds it. And in both of these stories, the end result is that the shepherd and the woman gather all their friends together and all their neighbors together and they have a party because they're so happy that they have found the thing that they had lost. 
And then what it says at the end of each of these stories, what Jesus says, is this. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus' point was that he was hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners because they were the people that God was trying to find and bring home to him. And that there would be much joy in heaven over that one sinner who is found and brought into the fold of God than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance, or I would actually add, who think they need no repentance. Because when it comes down to it, all of us need repentance. All of us are not perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. I'm going to put my hand down because I'm not perfect either. None of us are perfect. None of us has it all together. All of us fall short of the best that God has for us. And God desires to welcome all of us back to him each time we mess it up. But sometimes when the shepherd comes looking for us, we run further away and we hide in a bush or in a cave or something like that. Sometimes when the shepherd comes, we run away. Why would we do that? Think about a sheep for a moment. If the sheep is by itself, it is susceptible to wolves and coyotes and all kinds of things that can hurt it in the wilderness. It can, it can get caught in a thicket and break its leg. It could fall over a cliff. Sheep are not the smartest creatures in the world, and they really need the other sheep and the shepherd to be safe. So why would a sheep run away from its source of safety? Well, in our case, I think it might be that we might be scared that the shepherd might be angry with us when he finds us, or we might be embarrassed to face him knowing what it is that we've done. But I think a contemporary uh, story might help just a little bit. How many of you have ever run a red light or a stop sign? Accidentally, of course, because of course we would never do that on purpose. Um, but every once in a while, you might accidentally find yourself going through a stop sign or a red light. And what is the very first thing you do as soon as you get through that red light or that stop sign? You look for the police. You're looking over your shoulder. You're looking this way and that way. You're hoping that that car with the pretty blue and red lights is nowhere near you in that moment because you're hoping that they didn't see you do it. You know it was wrong. You knew you weren't supposed to do it, but you're hoping that the police didn't see you do it because you don't want a ticket. You don't want to get caught. And we act sometimes like God's big goal is to wait around for us to mess something up so he can punish us. But that couldn't be further from the truth. God wants to rescue us, and he rejoices when we're found. There is more joy, more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus' love is not limited just to good people who get things right. Jesus said, actually, a few chapters after this, no one is good but God alone. And that excludes everybody. No one is good but God alone. Only God is good. Everybody else messes it up. An example of this is in the letter that we read to a guy named Timothy. And this letter was written by a man named Paul. Some of us know him as St. Paul. And he was one of the, the main authors of the New Testament in the Bible. And he 
planted churches. He made new churches in all kinds of places all over the known world in the time that he lived. And he shared the message of Jesus with all kinds of people. He was what we would think of as like a super kind of a Christian guy. But this is how he describes himself in the beginning of this letter. He says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Now, none of us looking at Paul would think of him as the foremost of sinners, but that's how he thought of himself. He thought of himself as the, the foremost of sinners, the chief of sinners. Why? Because he had persecuted the church. Before he came to faith in Jesus Christ, he actually sought out Christians and put them to death. There's a story in the book of Acts about how he held the coats of the people who were throwing stones at someone named Stephen because he was a Christian. He was the first person who died because of his faith in Jesus. And Paul was right there holding the coats of the people who were throwing the stones. He was a persecutor of the church. But God found him and brought him home. And he became one of the most prominent, important apostles and one of the authors of much of the New Testament. Or think about a man named David, King David. He was known as the greatest of all the kings in Israel in the history of God's people. There are large sections of the Old Testament that are written about this guy named King David. And he was a man that God had had referred to as a man after my own heart. That's the kind of person David was. And yet, there was a particular day when David committed adultery And then he committed murder to cover up the adultery that he had had. That's not the kind of thing you think about someone doing if they are a man after God's own heart. And that wasn't the only time David messed up. He was a sinner, just like all of us. He messed up over and over again in all kinds of different ways. But on this particular occasion, when he was found out, when it was found out that he had committed adultery and murder, the psalm that we read today was his response to God. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, in your great goodness. According to the multitude of your mercies, wipe away my offenses. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my faults and my sin is ever before me. His sin, the knowledge of his sin, was a burden on him. And he wanted to shake it off. And he knew he couldn't shake it off on his own. He needed God to forgive him. And so he prays this beautiful prayer that we have recorded in Psalm 51. When we mess up in our lives, when we run away from God, God wants us to come home. It doesn't cost us anything, but there is a price to pay because God's love is costly. When I was in seminary, which is like graduate school for pastors, uh, my wife and I, uh, actually we weren't even married yet, it was our first year in seminary, Um, And so we were engaged, and we wanted to join the YMCA because we wanted to exercise. And so there was a local YMCA very close to the seminary, and we went there and we signed up because we had heard that they had this scholarship program that if you didn't have a lot of money, like we didn't have a lot of money, we were living off of student loans, if you didn't have a lot of money, you could get a very discounted membership to the YMCA. 
And so we went there and we talked to the person you had to talk to to get hooked up with this and we proved our income and all that stuff. And, uh, and then as we were signing the papers, the woman reminded us that, uh, that this wasn't a free membership to the YMCA. That somebody had donated money so that we could exercise at the YMCA. And that stuck in my head because I had great intentions of working out that semester. It was right at the beginning of the semester. There weren't any papers due yet. And so we went regularly in the morning and we would go exercise. But as the semester wore on and the assignments piled up, I didn't have as much time to exercise and I was finding myself not going to the YMCA very often. But those words of that woman stuck in my head and I actually canceled my membership because I realized that someone was paying for me to do something that I wasn't doing. My YMCA membership was free to me, but somebody was paying a price for it. The shepherd that left 99 sheep behind to seek out the one paid a costly price. He was risking the lives of those 99 sheep that he had to go after the one sheep that he did not have. And in the Jesus Loves Me song, the second verse says, Jesus loves me, he who died Heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. Jesus' love for us is a costly love. Jesus gave up his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven and restored and found and brought home to our Father in heaven. It's free for us, but it certainly wasn't free for him. And when we ask God to come into our lives and forgive us, he is always faithful to do so. When we read uh, a little further down in Psalm 51 that David wrote, he says this, Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my misdeeds. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. O give me the comfort of your help again and sustain me with your willing spirit. Then shall I teach your ways unto the wicked and sinners shall return unto you. God is always faithful to come and bring us home when we ask him to come and get us. He is always faithful to find us when we are lost. He is always faithful to hug us when we have strayed away from him. So once God has forgiven us, what next? Well, the third verse says, Thou hast bled and died for me, I will henceforth live for thee. Our response to God is to live for him. We can't earn God's favor by being a good person. We already talked about that earlier. There's nothing that we can do that makes us a good enough person to earn God's favor. But God loves us, and he sent his son to die for us so that we could be restored to him. And because of that, we have God's favor. And our response out of that is to love him and follow him. Another way to think of this is that good works are the fruit of a life that's been planted in Jesus and rescued by God. But there's more good news because God sends his Holy Spirit to actually live within us and give us the strength to be what we can't be on our own, which is his holy people. We can't do that on our own. We can't make the right choices on our own all the time. But God gives us the strength by his Holy Spirit to choose him when we feel tempted to do something different. In 1 Timothy, Paul ends what we read today by saying, 
to the King of all the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And he's talking about Jesus there. Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who created it all, and he is Lord over it all. And so when we give our lives to him, we put him in charge of our lives. We put our faith in him and we accept him as the ruler of our lives. And we seek to follow his commandments and walk in his ways. But even though that's our intention, it doesn't always work out that way. We don't become perfectly holy overnight. In fact, none of us will be perfectly holy until Jesus returns and fixes everything that's broken. And yet, Jesus will continue to stay with us. The end of that, or the beginning of that third verse says, Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way. He will always continue to search for us when we stray off the path. He will continue to forgive us. He will continue to rescue us and bring us back home. Have you been found by the Good Shepherd? Do you need to be found again if you've been found at one point? If God is tugging you on your heart this morning, I invite you to join with me in saying the prayer I'm about to pray and put your life in his hands. So let's bow our heads, and if you want to pray this, go ahead and pray it silently to yourself. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my faults, my shortcomings, and my sins, and my rebellious acts, and I ask you to forgive me. I embrace you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for your atoning death on the cross in obedience to your Father's will to put away my sins. I enthrone you, Lord Jesus, to be in charge of every part of my life, and I ask you to indwell and empower me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live as your faithful follower from now on. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, either for the first time or again, I'd love to know about it, and I'd love to help you take the next steps in your faith. So you can just tell me, or you can grab one of the welcome cards in your pew and just make a note on there. Um, But I would love to walk with you as you explore more about what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org slash sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.